Welcome to this edition of Monday Sermon. I'm Pastor Corey. Today is Monday, October 4th, 2021. This is a podcast of Winfield Baptist Church in Winfield, Pennsylvania. More information about our church can be found at winfieldbaptist.com. Our fighter verse for this week is Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. But when, when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Have you ever pondered the idea of the new birth? Regeneration, as Paul says here in Titus 3. We have, in John 3, the famous interaction of Jesus and Nicodemus. And there, Nicodemus is confused as to how one could enter the womb as an adult. That's really not what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus addresses that in John 3, 5. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The language of John 3 is very similar to that which Paul uses here in Titus 3, 5. John Piper, in his book Finally Alive, says this, There are at least two ways to look at this idea of washing and regeneration uh, and renewal and being born of the Spirit. First, he says, we need to think about it as, one, cleansing from all that is past. When we're talking about washing of regeneration in Titus 3, verse 5, And then again, Jesus' interaction in John 3. And then the second way of looking at it is renewal. Renewal for all that is future. The renewal of the Holy Spirit and being born of the Spirit. He goes on to say, So when Paul says here in Titus 3, 5 that God saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Spirit, he means roughly the same thing as Jesus did. Namely, Your new birth is a cleansing from all the sin that you have ever committed. It is also, at the same time, the creation of a new nature by the Holy Spirit. You are still you after the new birth, but there are two changes. You are clean and you are new. That is what it means to be born again, regenerated. So, as we memorize and meditate on Titus 3, 4 through 6, Let us remember, He saved us. We have not saved ourselves. And He saved us not because of any righteousness of our own, but according to His mercy, that is, what He gave us on the cross. He did not give us what we deserve, namely wrath and punishment, but rather took that upon Himself. He saved us by making us clean and new washed away our sins by His own blood, and made us new by His Spirit. Be encouraged today. If you know Jesus, you are clean and new. Next, let's be reminded of the sermon and the text from Sunday. On Sunday, we looked at Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. This is a passage that has those who are seeking to kill Jesus and betray Him at the beginning and the end of its passage, with Mary in the middle, anointing Jesus with pure nard. This is an unusual passage for us living in 2021. Uh, It is not something we have a connection with today that we can resonate with. Uh, What we have in this passage is two groups of people, 
both have seen and heard Jesus. One, now having heard, believes and puts that faith into action. Earlier in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus spoke about his impending death three times. Now, here in Mark 14, we see Mary believing what he's saying about his death to be true. She comes with a bottle of rare perfume. Perhaps it was a family heirloom, but we are told it is worth 300 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage, so 300 is nearly a year's income. The median income in our area is around $55,000. So by today's standards, it was quite costly. On Sunday, we looked at the issue uh, some of the disciples had with this act. But Mary, uh, why didn't she improve her own station in life? Why didn't she help improve other stations? This was an expensive bottle of perfume. But here, Mary is, as Jesus will indicate in verse 8, anointing him, his body, beforehand for burial. It's an act that would normally be done after one dies. And she does it while he's still living. While Judas objects to the expense of the perfume used on Jesus, had it been done on a dead body, there would have been little objection because expense for a funeral was a culturally accepted idea. In this moment, Jesus is both commending Mary for her act of faith and once again pointing forward to his impending death. A few things to remember from the sermon and this passage of Scripture. First, we need to be careful not to judge others' acts of kindness or their generosity or their faith as being exuberant or somehow unworthy. Not only do we need to see Jesus commending Mary's act here in John 14, we need to remember what we read in Mark 12 at the end of that chapter about the widow giving her two small copper coins. She gave what seemed there as a minuscule amount. But Jesus said she gave out of her poverty, and she gave all that she had to live on. Here in Mark 14, Mary gives a costly gift. It was hers to give, and it was hers to do as she desired. And Jesus commends her. She was acting upon her faith in Jesus. The other thing we need to remember from the sermon in this passage is what Jesus talks about the poor. He says that they will always be with us, and we can do good to them anytime we choose. We need to remember the poor around us, and we need to do good to them. We'll end our talk today with a takeaway. According to the Wall Street Journal article uh, of September 15th, the White House is expected to resettle up to 95,000 Afghans in the U.S. These refugees are vetted at military bases in Europe and the Middle East before coming to the United States. Once in the U.S., it depends whether they have family already living here or not as to whether where they go. Uh, most are transported to military bases around the country for temporary housing. Now, there are a lot of these refugees who do not have visas that are required that are acquired by family members already living here, or because many of them were interpreters, di- drivers, or others who worked with the U.S. military during the war in Afghanistan. So. That does not apply to the rest, who do not get the same legal status, which leaves the remaining group more vulnerable and reliant upon private donations to help get them resettled. Let's just pause for a moment and think about these people. 
who, one moment, were living in their own country, where they had jobs, acquired homes, and other possessions, enjoyed walks in the same place where their families had lived for decades, perhaps even centuries. And in a moment, they grab what they can carry and leave it all behind. Then, even what they were able to carry gets scrutinized and picked through and sometimes tossed in the garbage. They sleep on cots or the floor, eat food that is not always known to them, deal with language barriers, and then are welcomed into a country, only to be often looked at with contempt. There is an unusual passage of scripture in the Bible found in Genesis chapters 18 and 19. I say it's unusual because there Abraham is greeted by three men. As we continue reading, we begin to understand that these men are incognito. In reality, they are the Lord, and according to chapter 19, two angels. It is Hebrews 13 that reminds us that some have entertained angels unaware. What is significant about these two chapters in Genesis 18 and 19 is how Abraham responds. He responds with hospitality. He becomes the gracious host to the Lord and the angels. But then again, that hospitality spills over to the inhabitants of Sodom. Namely, I think he was pleading for Lot and his family in that city. He pleads with the Lord to spare them. Spare them the just wrath that would fall upon the city. We then see Lot extending a similar hospitality to the angels when they arrive. This is a text in which Abraham shows hospitality to God. The Lord himself will also see him showing hospitality to us. As Jesus himself in the New Testament takes on the role of a host in John 13 and washes the feet of the disciples. So, what's the takeaway? As we've seen in our fighter verse, pointing us to the reality of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel, of washing us clean and making us new, and our sermon from Mark 14, the generosity of Mary and her act toward Jesus, an act of worship. And now, in Genesis 18 and 19, God is teaching us to live generously. Live generously in light of His generous grace. No matter the person or place, God has called us to point people to Him. And with the world watching, will we point people to Him or to ourselves? Thanks for listening. I hope you will tune in next Monday as we continue to be encouraged by the Word. Until next time, I'm Pastor Corey, and this has been an episode of Monday Sermon a podcast of Winfield Baptist Church.